Go ahead and grab out your Bible, something to take some notes with. If you are new to victory, we believe in taking notes and you can recite it with me because we believe in these times that God will speak to us. All right. We believe on these moments when you're studying in the word, when you have these moments, God will speak some things to each one of us. It's important. Jot those things down. Take some notes. And of course, we have the Victory Church app. If you want to follow along with a fill in the blank version of the notes, have all of the verses and points we're going to have this morning there for you. Or if you're like me, you just want a piece of paper to jot some things down. And even if you don't believe in taking notes, jot some things down this morning. All right. So we're going to we're going to learn some things from God's word. We're starting a brand new series today called More Than Conquerors. You might have seen it up on the screens before service started. And our theme verse comes out of Romans chapter eight, verse thirty seven. And he's writing and he says, no, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I hope you hear today. I hope you hear from this series that the Christian life is not about just white knuckling it until we somehow one day make it to heaven by the skin of our teeth. Somehow saying no to sin and yes to God just enough to escape the fires of hell. That's not what the Christian life is about. It's not about just kind of holding on until Jesus comes and we just kind of make it one day. I hope you see that the Christian life is actually an overcoming life. That you can have victory in this life. That God has called you to be more than a conqueror. That he has called us to do more than just hang on until the world ends. Just kind of hang on by the skin of our teeth. That we are called to be overcomers. We are called to reach this world for Christ. Through him who loved us. That he has given us that power. And so if we're going to have the overcoming life. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's not too early, right? We can, we can do. I know you lost an hour last night, but we can, we can still praise the Lord together, all right? And if somebody comes in at 11 o'clock today, we will celebrate them. That is our... It's going to be a good morning, everybody. You know, we go through more coffee on days where we have daylight stay. I'm just throwing that out there, right? I made that up. We're just throwing it. I hope you find that you're supposed to live the victorious life. You're supposed to live an overcoming life. We're supposed to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not that it's our own power. I don't know if you've met some of us. It's not under our own power. But it's because Christ loved us. That we are more than conquerors. So in order to do that, in order to conquer... We have to conquer some things in life that are holding us back. And so during this series, I want to take one a week. Just one thing that I think is starting to creep into both our lives and creep into the church that hold us back from living the life God has called us to live. And kind of the theme this year, if you've kind of been following along in these first few months, has been this idea of pursuing what was lost and going after maybe some of the things we lost in the last couple of years. And so I want to have this series as a way to say we're going to live lives that God has called us to live. We're going to go after what God has for us. We're going to step into the plans he has given us to live our lives for his kingdom. And if we do that, we have to overcome some things. And so next week, week two, we're going to talk about overcoming, conquering labels, conquering labels on our life. I think a lot of us, maybe when we were kids or maybe when you were growing up by your family or by a teacher or a coach or friends or a spouse or whoever it was, a lot of us have come under labels that people have tried to put on us. And so we're going to talk about next week how that is a trick of the enemy to keep us trapped in what people think about us and not living up to what God has to say about us. So that's going to be week number two. Today, though, I want to talk about conquering fear. Because in our world around us, there has been this increase. I don't know if you've noticed, there's been this increase in fear, not only on a global scale, but also individually. This, this rise of fear that has taken hold of our lives. That we have allowed fear to creep in in areas of our life that we never would have before Never had fear before, never was afraid before, never had any kind of worry before. We've allowed it to creep into our lives and paralyze us from what God has for us. 
We've allowed it to take a hold of us and keep us from the steps God has called us to take. And so we're going to talk today about conquering fear. Because I think too often times, even as Christians, we allow it to paralyze our lives. Instead of the Bible says in 2 Timothy, watch this. It says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some of us, we write this and put it on our fridge, but we don't actually believe it. Some of us, we kind of live our lives and we think, well, fear is just a normal thing that I have to experience. Fear is just something God must have put in my life to keep me in line. No, it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not given a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear does not come from God. But I think sometimes we lose sight of that. I think it's a simple, as simple message as I can think of today. And yet we're still consumed by the fear that doesn't come from God. It's as simple a thought as we can have, and yet somehow we're still consumed by it. And so say it with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear. One more time, like you can read, everybody. God has not given us a spirit of fear, and yet we're consumed by it. We're worried all the time. We're anxious all the time. We're always thinking, what if this, what if that? We're always allowing it to paralyze us by something that God did not give us. So I want to talk a little bit about what we perceive fear to be and then talk about what fear means to us and then talk about biblically how we can conquer fear, how God has called us out of that. So let's do a little bit of a kind of a a wake up gesture or a little bit of maneuver today. How many show of hands today? How many of you, your fear of small spaces, anybody claustrophobic in the room? Come on, hands up if you're just a little bit afraid. Now, I promise this is not some shock therapy. I'm not going to come out with a box of spiders or something. All right. There's not. I just put you at ease today. I mean, a little, but you're a little claustrophobic. Come on, you. When I was in college, I went cave diving with a group of friends up in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Uh, and when I just say the word cave diving, some of you kind of just kind of put your, get a little bit thing. But we're, we're down about 100 feet below the earth's surface in these kind of systems and caves. Uh, and they've got a spot where you have to crawl through. It's about a foot high, maybe a foot and a half, and then about 30 feet long. So you have to kind of get on your stomach and shimmy kind of through as a group, right? You're kind of working your way to the other side in the complete dark. It's amazing, everybody. And about halfway through that section, the girl in front of me, so we're all on our stomach, all trying to shimmy through, comes to the realization that she is claustrophobic. How many know 70 feet below rock with rock below you is a bad place to have that realization about your life? That is just a bad, it's a bad place to find yourself, all right? It's just a thing. Some of you are feeling it right now. Some of you, <laughs> you're saying, who took the air out of the room? Who took the, we all have fears that we have in life. How many of you are afraid of clowns? Anybody afraid of clowns? Yeah, hands went up quick on that one. That's a good, I don't understand. They're so happy, everybody, all right? We have fears that we have of life. Anybody spiders? Anybody afraid? Some of you. A few years back, I admitted to you in full confidence on a Sunday morning about a spider that attacked me out on Florida Boulevard driving down towards Denham Springs. And what did you all do the week after that? Did you send me letters of encouragement and letters of text of we believe you and we stand behind you? No, you sent me pictures of the biggest, hairiest spiders that you could find. So thank you for that, everybody. So I'm, not, I'm done telling you my fears, all right? That's healthy. That's exactly what I needed in my life. I think we all deal with fear in some way or another. I, I honestly, I think we have these phobias that we kind of do. But I think on a deeper level, all of us have fears of life. All of us have fears that we walk through. And so maybe it's fear of loss. Maybe it's worried about losing a loved one or it's worried about losing a job or maybe even losing control of a situation. Maybe it's fear of losing power in an area. Maybe it's fear of something like that. Maybe it's the fear of loss or maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of not being adequate or it's the fear of not being enough, not being smart enough, not being powerful enough, not being rich enough, not being whatever enough. It's this fear of inadequacy. 
Or maybe it's the fear of not being the spiritual leader that your family needs you to be. Maybe it's this fear. All all these things that we deal with, all of us have fears in life. And I want to remind you all throughout this message that the spirit of fear does not come from God. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. That oftentimes we need to quote that back to ourselves. If you hear nothing else in this message, we need to have that verse ready to quote to ourselves when we don't have a sound mind. When we get caught up and paralyzed in the spirit of fear, when we allow these things, this fear of these things in our our lives to paralyze us from what God has for us. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe you feel like you have this fear that people won't accept you or you you won't find your place in this world. You have this fear of rejection. Or maybe it's the fear of the unknown. Maybe you have this fear that you're going into a new season of life and you're fearing you don't know what the next step is. You don't know what might be a fear. It might be good. It might be bad, but you don't know what it's going to be. And so you fear what you do not know. And we allow those fears to paralyze us. But I want to remind you, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so we have to stand in faith and reject that fear because anything that doesn't come from God, we reject. And now I would tell you that fear is the absence of faith. And while that is true, I also want to give you a thought today. That fear is a type of faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. Fear is a type of believing, but it's believing in the wrong things, putting your trust in the wrong thing. I'll give you kind of an example. One of the greatest fears, they've done studies after studies on phobias and fears. The greatest fear year after year after year in the world is public speaking. That is the number one fear. So outranking death, outranking laws, outranking spiders and snakes is the fear of getting up in front of people and speaking. And so today I stand here on this stage, or I sit here actually, before all of you. I'm up here with the faith that you are all good people. That you will say nice things about me, that you won't boo or heckle me, that you will not throw things. That you'll give me an amen every couple of years or so, that you'll just kind of... I'm up here with the faith that you're not going to to boo and shout and do. And so hopefully my faith is in the right thing this morning. But oftentimes the fears that we have are in the wrong things. The fear that we have are in the wrong things. They're in the wrong places. And some of you may be here and you're actually gripped by fear. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, it's my first time in church and I don't know how many years. And so they might know that they might if they knew where I was last night, people are talking about me over there. Some of you are gripped by fear by that. Some of you are gripped by fear on the other side. Well, now that I'm going to church, people will say I'm just one of those Jesus freaks. And they'll just think I've lost my mind. And I've done all this. Some of you are gripped by fear. This idea that this, this paralyzing fear that the wrong things, this putting your faith and your, your fear in someone else, believing in the wrong things. And I want to remind you, fear is not from God. And I want to tell you that God has you in this service. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, God has you in this moment for a reason. That God brought you for a reason, that maybe there are some fears in your life that he wants to break off of your life. That he wants to do something in your world and in your heart that only he can do. That it's not the words that I say, it's not what anybody else on this earth is trying to do, any other steps or any other thing that you can think about. But God has a work he wants to do in your life, that he can break those fears off of your life. Those fears that you have carried maybe your entire life. Those fears that maybe you have carried for years and let paralyze you from what God has for you. God can break those off. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk a little bit about what God has put in our life. If he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, then what has he given us? And that is the power to be an overcomer. That he's given the power and love and a sound mind. So if God is going to empower us to overcome fear, we have to understand then, we have to know what fear is. So jot it down if you're taking notes. First of all, I would say fear is being consumed by the what ifs. Fear is being consumed by the always fixating on the what ifs. This was Moses' problem. Look at Moses in the book of Exodus. God calls Moses to go to Egypt and free the Israelites on his behalf. 
to go to Egypt and free them. And here's Moses' response to God. It's not, yes, Lord, I'll do what you say. It's not, yes, Lord, I'm so excited to step into the role you have for me. Watch what Moses says to God. He says, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Instead of placing his faith in God's promise on Moses' life, Moses placed his faith in the what if. Moses feared, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't accept me? What if they don't believe that God has sent me? And how many times do we find ourselves at the exact same place? We know we're called to do something. We know God has called us to step out. We know God has called us to witness. We know God has called us to reach the world for his kingdom. We know God has called us to take steps. No matter where we are, what season of life, we understand God has called us in faith to do something. But too often times, we're consumed by the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they say this? What if they make fun of me? What if this happens in my life? What if I can't do that? What if the economy tanks? What if I'm a rejected? What if I'm, I have all these things? What if, what if, what if? And we put our faith in the what ifs instead of our faith in God. We allow the fear of the what ifs to consume us, to paralyze us. And so jot it down if you're taking notes. First thing we have to understand is our fear reveals our values. When we're consumed by the what is, first thing we can recognize is what we fear reveals what we value. What we fear reveals, what, when those what ifs creep in, they reveal what we are valuing most in our life. In that fear of that. So if you're afraid of being alone, of losing relationships, if you're afraid of that, then it just means you value relationships. If you're afraid of, of losing your health or having this loss or whatever it is, then we're afraid in those areas. We value those areas. If we're afraid of having these things, of maybe not having enough money to make financial security, then we value security and our future and those values. And none of those are necessarily bad inherently of themselves. But I think fears are an incredible barometer of where our values lie, where our greatest value lies. Because then number two, our greatest fears reveal our weakest faith. Got quiet in this church this morning a little bit. What we fear the most reveals where we are trusting God the least. It reveals our greatest or our weakest faith. And so I want you to think about that for just a moment. What's causing you to fear? What's, what's creeping into your life that's causing you to paralyze? We're going to do something that I don't normally do. I've got a blank for you to fill in that I don't have the answer for. All right, that'll kind of blow somebody's mind this morning. But I don't have the answer for this one. But I want us to do this because I want you to be honest with yourself. This is not about us kind of discussing together this kind of... I want you just to be honest with yourself. And here it is. And that is, I want you to fill in the blank. I'm not trusting God with blank. Whatever that is. And honestly, like I told you, our greatest fear usually is a good barometer for where this lies, where our weakest faith is. But I want you to begin to say that to yourself. You can jot it down. Nobody's cheating today, all right? Nobody's trying to look over at your paper. This is an answer between you and yourself and God, that you would answer this question honestly. I'm not trusting God with blank. What is it? Even if you won't jot it down, begin to think about it in your own mind. What are you not trusting God with? Write it down. Be honest with yourself. Be really, I'm not trusting God with what? What is it? Your children, your marriage, your friendships, your relationships, your job, your financial security, your mission, your purpose. What is it you're not trusting God with? Whatever that is, I want you to jot that down and begin to think. This is what it is. Own your fear. Own your fear. I'm not trusting God with blank. And I'll be really honest with you. I've spoken about this before. For me, this, this particular blank, for me, this would fill in. I would say I'm not trusting God with my future. Because I've told you this before from the stage that I have this incredible fear of failure. And, and I'll just explain it with you. I have this fear of failing, of not being good enough. 
Not being strong enough, not being wise enough, not being smart enough, not being, you know, enough, whatever it is. I have this fear. And honestly, if I'm ever successful, it's because I'm so fear of failure that I actually just kind of fall into success. Because I'm running from failure so often. And so for me, this blank would say, I'm not trusting God with my future, with security on that. Because when I look at the things, and, and just for me personally, when I look at things on the campus or things that we're looking to do, sometimes I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I feel like I won't be enough. I won't have enough energy. I won't have enough thing. I won't be, I won't be whatever it is. And it paralyzes me, overwhelms me in moments. And if you're looking at me and thinking, well, you just messed up, bud. So are you, everybody. All right, so are you. But honestly, I just pray that one day I don't wake up in the morning and just curl up in a ball, stick my finger in my mouth and cry for my mama. All right, that's just my... That's my fear. And too often times I would put in this blank that I'm not trusting God with my future. Because honestly, what I am saying, if I'm honest with myself, what I'm saying, God, I know you've been with us till now, but I don't see you being with us in the future. If I'm looking ahead and saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to be enough. I'm putting my faith in the wrong things. My fear is that I won't be enough. I know I will never be enough. If I'm actually honest with myself, but I know that the God who loves me and who is with us and stays with us is faithful in those moments. And so if I am honest this morning, I would say I'm not putting my faith in God for my future. So whatever it is for you, fill in that blank. What do you fear? What is the greatest fear? And then I would encourage you one more thing this week, and that is tell somebody. Tell one person. It doesn't have to be everybody at church. It can be your small group. It can be your best friend. It can be your sibling. It can be whoever. Not the mailman. Somebody that you trust. Tell them what your greatest fear is. Because we have to have people in our life who are able to speak into our life and say, hey, you're not putting your faith in God. You're putting your faith in that fear. You're letting yourself get paralyzed by it. And so this week, I would say, own your fear. Name it. Bring it out in the open. Say, what is it that I'm not trusting God with? And then tell somebody, somebody that's able to speak to you and say, hey, you're on the wrong path with this. God actually does love you. God actually does want a purpose and a future for you. That you've let lies creep into your life too often. You got to have somebody around you that can protect you in that. And so we're going to begin to do that. If we, if we have that in our lives, if we're going to begin to actually be honest with ourselves about what it is that we fear. We're going to be honest with ourselves about what it is we're not trusting God for. And then we're going to name it. We're going to begin to name this thing. We're going to say, Lord, I'm giving it a name because listen to me. You will not confront what you do not define. If you don't have an idea of what battle it is that you're fighting, you don't know what the enemy is. You don't even know what it is that you're struggling with that's paralyzing you. You won't fight the right battle. You'll go into this too oftentimes fighting everybody else in your life and not confronting the actual fear that has you paralyzed. And so we have to begin to be honest with ourselves to tell somebody And somebody that can actually speak into our lives. And so for the rest of our message today, I just want to talk practically about what biblically can we do to overcome those fears. To conquer fear in our life. Number one, first thing I would say comes right out of scripture. That is we have to admit our fears and choose to trust God anyway. And so we've already done a part of that this morning. We're admitting what it is that holds us captive. We're admitting what it is. And those two words there, admit and choose, are the key words. We have to admit the fear. We have to name it. We have to give it a name. And then we have to choose to trust God anyway. Admit and choose. We have to acknowledge what our fear is. I think too many times as Christians, we think that if we're going to be a part of the church, or we're going to be a part of small groups or a part of a spiritual community, that if fears rise in our life, that would somehow disqualify us from being a part. And so when we have those fears, our tendency is to push them to the side, to kind of bury our heads in the sand, kind of put our fingers in our ear, la, 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 and pretend like it's not happening. Pretend like I don't have that fear. I don't have that, that shortcoming. 
And we feel like, well, if I just don't know, listen to me, we have to admit that we do have them. We have to name our fear. We have to come to grips with the fact that, yeah, I am fearful of that. Yeah, that is something in my life. But then we choose to trust our God anyway. We choose to trust him anyway. And making that choice, honestly, is one of the greatest things you can do as a Christian is to choose to trust your God in spite of our fears. In spite of the things that try to hinder us and try to paralyze us, even when we don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if maybe you look at spiritual leaders or you look at those around you and think, well, they just have everything figured out. They just know. No, most of us, I would care to say all of us don't know how it's going to work out, but we trust the God who does. We put our faith in the God who does. And so having that faith is one of the greatest things we can have because it says, I know and I acknowledge that I had that fear, but I put my trust. I choose to trust him anyway. And this is exactly what David did in the Old Testament. See, before David was king, Saul, the current king, was jealous of him. And so the Bible says that Saul was jealous of David's influence over the people. He was jealous of David's success. He was jealous of all these things that David had because of God's blessing. And so it said Saul decided, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to hunt him down and kill him. And so David has to run for his life. And so this is Psalms chapter 54. This is 56. This is our reading actually out of the Bible this morning. If you follow along with us in the yearly Bible, this was the reading this Sunday morning out of Psalms. And oftentimes, I just want to give you context. We think about this and think, well, oh, David was on the run. He just must have been on the run. Just David on the run again. No, think about this in your own life. Like the governor or the president or the king of the nation decides that he wants you dead. And decides that every resource, every army, everything they have is going to hunt you down. That was David's reality. If you think about it, that's where David is in this moment. And so Psalms 56, verse 2, David says, My adversaries pursue me all day long. This is David's life. On the run, always running, always pursued, always being brought, always thinking he's being hunted. In their pride, they attack me. And watch this, when I am afraid. So David is saying... When I am afraid, he's admitting, acknowledging my adversaries attack me. They come after me with all these things. But when I am afraid, and you can fill in your own here in this verse, when I am afraid of what? For David, adversaries, he actually had people trying to kill him in the natural. But for you, what is it you're afraid of? When I'm afraid, when I'm afraid of losing relationships, when I'm afraid of not being adequate, when I'm afraid of whatever it is, when I'm afraid of my future, when I'm afraid of all these things that have happened to me, when I'm afraid of what people will say, when I'm afraid of all those things, watch what David did. He said, I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. David is saying, when I am afraid, I acknowledge my fears and when I do, but I choose anyways to trust my God. I choose anyways to trust him. He says, when I am afraid, I choose and I put my trust in you. And then the next verse, in verse 4, he says, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. And watch this, watch, in just one verse, watch, he says, and am not afraid. And then he ends this with, what can mere mortals do to me? I love that phrase that he does. It sounds like a superhero movie to me, right? It just sounds like, what can mere mortals do to me? Now, if you're reading this, we're reading this in the context of David's life, that he's under, under attack, that there are people hunting for his very life in Israel, they're trying to hunt him down and kill him for King Saul. So we would ask this question. He asks it, what can mere mortals do, for, do to me? Let's answer that question today. What could they do? They can do a lot. Mortals could kill him. They could capture him. They could torture him. They could make his life miserable. A lot of things that mere mortals. But David has this revelation in this verse. And it's echoed all throughout the New Testament. He begins to set his eyes, not on the mortal, not on the physical. He begins to set his eyes on the eternal. That he says, I know the God that I trust in. I know where I have placed my faith. I know that I know I'm still afraid of what they're chasing me, but I have chosen to put my faith in God. He takes away my fears 
mortal men can do nothing to me because I've set my eyes on the eternal. I've set my eyes on what comes after on eternity. We've talked about this on Wednesday nights for the last few weeks, that we have to have that perspective. That our eyes are not set on the here and now, that we're not consumed by the things of this world, that our place, our citizenship is in heaven and we await a savior from there. That we have set our eyes on eternity. And when you have that perspective, what can mere mortals do to me? They can destroy this body. They can do those things. And you hear this echoed in the New Testament in Paul's writings where he talks about to live is Christ and to die is gain. What can people do to a person like that? To die is gain, to be with Christ. He lives with this eternal perspective. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, it quotes this verse again. And it says, in the Lord, we have put our trust. What can man do to me? What can he do? What, what can they actually, when we set our eyes on things above, when we have an eternal perspective, our fears disappear. When we set our eyes on an eternal perspective, if I choose God, I choose to trust God. God is still on the throne. We begin to set our eyes on eternity. That we might not know how this thing ends. We might not know, but you don't have to know what the light at the end of the tunnel is to know that there is one, everybody. That we know that our God is still on the throne, that he still has the victory. We may not see what that victory is, but we know that his victory is still eternal. We know what our God has promised. We know that he stands sure and secure. And so we put our faith and our trust in him. That we have chosen to trust our God anyway. And maybe you're in a dark place today. I was praying over this this weekend. Maybe you're walking through a season where you don't know where God is. You're thinking, well, I stepped out in faith or I I'm, I'm, did what you said to do, God, and now where are you? Or you say, well, I'm walking through these things where all I have are fears. All I have are things that have held me paralyzed for years in my life. And you're saying, I just, I cannot see what the thing is. I cannot see the light ahead. And maybe you're getting ready to step out in faith in something new. Or maybe you did step out and you feel like God turned his back on you and you're trying to figure out what all of this means. You're trying to figure it out. I would just encourage you today. We name our fears. We understand. We acknowledge those. We don't hide our head in the sand, but then we choose to trust our God in the midst of it. We choose to trust him in the midst of it, no matter where you are in the process. I would encourage you, recognize what it is. Recognize what it is that is making you fearful and then put it in God's hands. Trust him with it. Choose to trust him. That even in the darkest moments, we can declare that we are children of our God. That we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Admit those fears and yet choose to put our trust in God. And then we need to seek God until he takes our fears away. So we choose. We acknowledge what they are. We choose to put our trust in him. And then the next step we take is we seek God until he takes our fears away. Jot it down if you're taking notes. We seek the Lord until he takes away our fears. So many times we get into these situations, we feel like things aren't working out well. We, we get into them. Maybe we did the first step where we acknowledged what our fear was. But things didn't go how we wanted them to go. And so we decide I've got to take things into my own hands now. I've got to, I've got to make this thing go under my own power. I, God's not coming through how I thought he should. And so I'm going to work things out for myself. Listen to me. Anytime I've ever tried to make a way where there isn't a way under my own power, it never works out well. It never, ever, ever works out well. We need God in the midst of our lives. Anybody telling you any different? Listen, church, in the midst of crisis and failure and anxiety and fear, anybody telling you different is trying to sell you something. We have to seek the Lord. We have to seek his face. We have to go to our knees and begin to pray and call out to God. 
And I think too often times, I think too often times we think if I could just get my own hands on it, if I could just make this thing go, if I could just try to do this under my own power, then maybe I could work out a little semblance of what I need to happen. We have to seek the Lord. We have to seek the Lord until he takes away our fears. Exactly what David did. Psalms 34. This is where the point comes from. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. That we would seek the Lord again. I think this is the lost art in our Christianity. That sometimes we think, well, I've, I've, you know, I've lived long enough and I've done enough things. I've got enough experience. I have enough things in my own life. I had enough things happen that I just, I just, I know how to take care of that. I know how to deal with that situation. I think that is a lie of the devil that has worked its way. That that somehow I'm experienced enough to handle the situation that I am. We need to seek the Lord even more. When we're in those moments, whenever I feel prideful or I feel like I have it all under control is when I realize that I need to seek the Lord the most. That I got to seek him in every area of our life. We seek him until he takes away our fears. Listen, the Christian faith is not about getting rid of your fears so you can somehow come to church. No, you come to God so that he can take away your fears, that he can speak into your life, that we would run to him in the midst of that. David said he delivered me from my fears. Isaiah says he'll keep in perfect peace. Whose mind is set on him because he's put his trust in him. You see, we got to set our minds on Christ. We got to set our minds on things. But we have to have a different perspective of this world. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. To believe in faith today. Believe that he holds our future. Because listen to me, there will always be something to be afraid of. I don't know if these last few years have taught you anything. There will always be something to be afraid of. Fears will always appear in our lives. Those things are temporary, but our God is forever. Our God has the victory forever. It's in him we place our trust. It's in him we place our trust. He has the victory. And so I talked about this earlier in the message. Maybe he brought you here today. And maybe you are paralyzed by a fear. Maybe something has worked its way into your life. Maybe something has worked its way into your heart that you think I'll never be able to get rid of that. It's just something I live with. Listen to me. God has you here for a reason. God brings you. I don't believe there are any accidents in God's plan. God has you here for a reason to hear this, that he wants to set you free from the fears that paralyze you, that he has a purpose and a plan for your life and he can remove those fears. It's not what I can do. It's not what any other person around you. It's what God can do in your life, that his spirit can break the chain of addiction. His spirit can break the chain of that fear. His spirit can break the chain off of your life, that God can do a work in your life, that it can happen today. And I believe that God has you here for a reason, that he has made us more than conquerors through him who loved us, that this life is not just about surviving, that God wants you to thrive, that he wants you to thrive in this life. One final verse as we close, Matthew chapter 11. One of my favorite passages in scripture. And this is Jesus talking in verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary. And carry heavy burdens. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary. If you're struggling. And honestly, I was just praying over this verse. And I was just kind of fixated on this in Matthew. But he's saying, come to me, those who are struggling. And I've had an opportunity to talk with so many of you. Just because of the position that I'm in. And I know so many of you in small groups have had the opportunity to talk to those around you. There are a lot of people struggling with a lot of things. There are a lot of us walking through some heavy things right now. And I don't know where you are and what season of the process that you're in. But I promise you, if you are struggling or you are carrying a heavy burden, he says, come to me. And far be it from me to rewrite a verse. But if I could just encourage you this morning, don't just come to him, run to him. 
In the midst of that darkness that you're walking to, run to him. In the midst of your struggle and the burden that you are trying to carry all on your own, run to him. When you are walking through a darkness, when you are walking through a tragedy, when you are walking through anxiety or fear or worry or loss, run to him. Run to him in the midst of that. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. That God is saying, run to me. Come to me, those who are heavy hearted, those who are burdened, those who are those who are walking through the worst parts of life, those who are wearing this isn't for the mountaintops. This isn't for the times that everything is going right. He's saying when you are broken, run to him. When you are tender hearted, run to him. When your heart feels like it cannot take any more, when the burden feels too heavy for you, run to him. And after I prayed over that message and over this verse last night, the, the thought that came into my mind were my three kids. They're nine, seven, and four years old. And they, deep down, they really do love each other. They just don't know it yet, all right? They just, if you have siblings, you know what I'm talking about. They just, that's just the life that we're living, right? That's the season we're in. But our youngest, Hava, the girl, she, she knows how to push one too many buttons sometimes. And so her brothers will chase her through the house. And she will run like the wind to wherever I am. When she has, she knows she pushed it a little too far. She knows that things are getting a little dicey. Things are a little out of control. She will run to me wherever I am because she knows. She knows no matter what, I will pick her up. No matter what, I will protect her. No matter what, I am her defense. And now she will taunt her brothers from on top of my shoulders. That's a whole nother thing, all right? That's just a, we're working through that. That's just a whole nother thing. But I was praying through this verse that God is saying, run to him. That we know where our help lies. We know where our strength is. You don't, you don't get it together to get to God. You get to God to get it together. He is for you. And he says that he run to him and we are safe. Run to him in the midst of our brokenness. Run to him in the midst of that. Jesus saying in this verse, all of you who are weary, all of you who are carry heavy burdens, come to me and I'll give you rest. And then in the next verse, he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. I don't know if you've ever, ever followed a leader who was not humble or gentle at heart. I don't know if you've ever, ever served under or worked at a place or whatever it is. Have you ever seen that in this world? Aren't you glad that who we follow is gentle and humble? That he calls us to find rest for our souls. That he's not calling us that he could put extra burdens on top of us. He's not calling us so that he could break us further than we've already been broken. He's not calling us because he has all these things that he's going to do. He says, come to me because I am humble and gentle. Come to me and I will give you rest. Find rest again for your souls. That's the Jesus that we serve. Don't let anybody tell you different. That we serve him that he says, find rest for your souls. Find rest. It's his promise to you. Those who are lost, come to him. Those who are broken, come to him. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to give you something and take that burden from you. He says, my yoke is easy. It's easy to bear. The burden I give is light. And so if you're here with a heavy heart, you're carrying a weight. You're walking through a dark season. Something's going on. You have a fear, an anxiety, a worry, something that's gripped your life for years. Jesus is saying, come to me. He's saying, come to me. And this morning, I would just encourage you, let's leave whatever that is at the foot of the cross. Let's bring that burden. Let's bring that thing that has kept us paralyzed and let's leave it at the foot of the cross because the victory in him is sure. 
that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Would you bow your heads with me as we close today? I just want to pray. I want to pray that right now, whether you're in the room watching online, that right now, that God would begin to break the chains of fear off of our life, that we would seek him and he would remove our fears. That right now, the heavy burden so many of us have carried, that we would lay it at the foot of the cross. We would say, I don't have to carry this anymore. That Jesus paid the price for my sins. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want to pray for that today. But before we do that, there's a group of people I want to talk to. And that's those of you who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus. There are a lot of different ways that you may find yourself far from God. A lot of ways to get there. But I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter how you got there. What matters is that he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And I don't care what you did. And I don't care what your past is. I want you to hear this. Jesus loves you and he wants you. I don't care what anybody else told you. Jesus wants you. He wants you. And he says, come to me. The New Testament of 1 Peter, the Bible says, casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. I want you to hear that today. Jesus loves you. And so right now, with no one else looking around, I want you right now to hear that, that he loves you and he wants you. And I want you to make the decision. If you say, that's me, I want a relationship with him. And maybe at one point you followed him, but you've turned back and you've not made him Lord of your life. And right now you want to rededicate. I want you to know that right now he wants you. And maybe if you're far from God and you've never made that decision, but you say, I want it. I want to have what Jesus has to give. I want him to take away my burdens. I want him to make me brand new. That's a decision you can make right now. And it starts with a prayer of surrender. Be my honor to pray it with you today. And all the church is going to pray it with you. Nobody prays alone. I'm not in this to embarrass you. I'm not making, trying to make you look like a fool in front of everybody around you. This is the decision that you make to follow Jesus. We're going to do baptisms at the end of this month. There is a time for you to go public with your faith, but I want you right now to choose. Choose. If you say, that's me, I want to make that decision. You say, that's me, I want to surrender. I want to be saved then pray this prayer. We can pray it with you, but you have to mean it. Come on, church, let's pray with them. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. Now say this, I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, God, I pray for every person here today, Lord, that those who have been gripped by fear, God, those struggling with anxiety, those paralyzed by the cares of this world, God, those who have let it creep into their life for years, God, that they've let it paralyze them from the calling you have. I pray right now, begin to break the chains of bondage and of fear on their life. God, I pray right now, begin to break the chains of worry and of anxiety. God, that these things try to creep in, this lies of the devil to keep us from the calling you have. That right now, God, you have given us not a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind, God, that we would understand that you have given us your Holy Spirit in power, God, that it would help us to break the chains off. Lord, that you have shown us the love you have for us, the power of the love that sent Jesus to the cross, rose from the dead, God, that we now know that our victory and eternity is secure in you. And Lord, that you have given us a sound mind. 
that our mind is fixed on you, that it is set on you, that we get our eyes off of the temporary and set our eyes on the eternal, that we know where our hope lies, that we know our perspective is eternity. And so we say, what can man do to us? Lord, we know where our hope is secure. And I pray right now as we go out this week, God, that you would begin to break off these fears begin to break off the anxiety that we would live lives that you have called us to, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. We give you all of the glory and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray it all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's done today.